You know, when I'm having an argument with someone, that's when I'm like, all right, this is when it counts. This is when all those 10 days of meditation, all the, all the years of meditation that I've had, this is where it actually counts. Thanks for coming on, dude, to uh, the Getting Mental podcast. Oh, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me, bro. I'm excited. See where this leads. Absolutely, man. So the first thing that came to my mind when we were thinking about doing this chat is over the years, man, out of all the people in my life, I think I've seen you grow the most, you know, like out of all the different people and all their endeavors and personal development and and whatnot, I've seen you probably grow the most. Um, And probably the biggest shift I've seen is when you went to Vipassana. Um, Mm. What was that like for you, man? Because, you know, when I think of Vipassana, I think of uh, an absolutely no. Like, I don't want to do that. It seems to me <laughs> like a, yeah, almost like, no, I can meditate every day instead. What was your experience? Yeah. Mm, good question, man. And, like, I appreciate I appreciate you saying that I've grown a lot as well. That, um, yeah, yeah, I, t- I take that on, man. Um, what was Vipassana like? It was... It was huge, bro. It was really big, um, especially in the fact that I couldn't see people. I think like that was that was really that was really tough. Um, Vipassana for ten days, you you you're pretty much sort of meditating ten hours a day. You're not allowed to make eye contact, and I, I noticed in myself that every time I'd look at people, I always wanted a reaction. It was like I wanted them to confirm that I exist. It's like you know, I'd look, I'd look, I'd look, and the experience of not seeing people really, really had me down. The first three days were like probably, actually the first four days were probably the hardest thing I've ever experienced. Wow. Um, I felt more alone than I've ever been. I, I felt, I felt the agitation of my mind, you know, I felt that like, holy shit, I actually can't, I can't really sit with myself at all, you know, and, and I, and I've, used other people i've used games i've used my phone i've used all these distractions to take me away from myself and those four days um i I not only realized that i had to face it because yeah like conceptually i understood oh yeah i just need to meditate and and not distract myself but like experientially it's a completely different thing to actually like sit in the lava and just be like i'm I'm on fire right now and i have to be in it Mm. um yeah, those those four days, I, I I faced myself, bro. I met my mind, um, and then and then on the fifth day, I I remember this one time I was there and I just saw my mind because it, one of the things you have to do is you have to focus on your breath. Yeah. <laughs> and like for about for about four days, I was just like, why can't I focus on my breath? I keep going into thoughts about my family and my house and like whether I'm doing it right, whether I'm doing it wrong, um, and there was this one point I just cracked. And I just, I was just like, um, I don't know if I can swear on this, bro, but yeah, go for I was it. Just like, I was just like, you fucking piece of shit. You can't, <laughs> you can't even breathe. Like, what's wrong with you? You can't even feel your body. What's wrong with you? And um, that's when I was like, all right, who, who's actually saying that? You know? And then who's watching me say that? And I think um, that's when I, that's when I was. It sort of all un, 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 unveiled itself. You know. Mm. What, this idea of this feeling of consciousness mm. to just like be a watcher. Um, yeah. And since the, the, the remaining five days were, were, were fun, you know, I explored who I was, I explored my body. Um, and yeah, man. And yeah, and coming back from that into the, into the world, there's the, there's like a, a depth to things and man, it was really, it was really difficult to come back. Yeah. But that's anyway, that's my experience of the partner. Yeah. That's huge, man. It remind me when you said that, then I've never said this public before. I think that, you know, the path to becoming more aware is a small process of those little awakening moments. You know, you have small awakening moments pretty much throughout your life. And my very first, well, my biggest one, and my, my first one that I can distinctly remember was in 2016. I think I've told you about this before. Mm. Like, and I was sitting on the train reading Eckhart Tolle, right? Tolle. <laughs> yeah, I was reading uh, A New Earth. And there was this chapter that I read and it was talking, I don't know what about specifically, 
But when I finished reading it off on my phone, I looked up and I just saw everything around me. I saw the train and the paint on the train walls and how they kind of, they, they shined and the people around me, they all had, you know, they were the duality, you know, it's like, this person looks so sad, but that's just the way it's supposed to be. It's this acceptance that came with it. It reminded me so much of what you said then. It's when you have, you know, in that point in my life, I was going out partying a lot and I felt, you know, this, this kind of uh, refrigerator harm of anxiety all the time. And that was kind of like a, a moment where I just took off the armor, as they say, right? Um, and then, yeah. yeah, then now I'm more egotistical than I've ever been in my life. So, <laughs> right, right. That <laughs> is mess around. But that was the, the first experience to me. And um, yeah, man, I think that after that moment, you know, I've never been the same in a good way. You know, like it's kind of like my view of reality has shifted. Has that been the same for you when you, when you left? Uh, is, it, is it Vipassana, right? That's how you say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vipassana, yeah. The P is emphasized. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I found it, I found it like quite, quite heavy to come back into the real world, you know, after, yeah. after living like a monk for 10 days, just 10 days, um, coming back was, was quite an intense experience. And then, and I think the part with humans, yeah. um, interacting with other people and, just facing them, you know, and like seeing, I've, I've, I've been looking inside myself so much that then when I look at them, I sort of see that part in them that's looking out at me. Mm. And it's, this, and it's like this concoction of characters <laughs> mm. and, you know, in, in a way, like, I'm not going to say that I see other people's egos and that I see them, but I just you see how it manifests, like how these personalities manifested in everyone I know. And, um, yeah, it was intense. It was really intense to actually have to like almost construct myself again, mm. you know, a self that's able to interact, able to survive in a world that is like, it, it's sort of insane, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, coming back, bro, it was, I, I felt that, man. I felt that, that, that uh, struggle with interaction. Um, however, like, although that was the negative, Initially, I'm actually now able to sort of construct myself consciously as well. I'm able to like consciously choose the thoughts that I'm having. And there's a there's a deeper awareness of, hey, like in this moment right now, I'm anxious. But all it is, is it's just a sort of, it's just a sort of sensation, you know? And it's just like, if I tap into it right now, I'm a bit, there's a bit of anxiety. There's a bit of excitement. And it's like, all right, where is it? It's, it's in my, it's in my chest and it's in my stomach. And it's just it's just a sensation, you know, and I guess I can still be with that and I'm still here and I'm still by, like I'm still the one watching. And I guess that deeper level of awareness, um, yeah, I just, I just have a choice to choose, you know, between it's like in, um, in uh, seven habits, there's stimulus and response yeah. and like stimulus occurs and I have a bit, a bit more space to choose my response. Beautiful. So all in all, man, like, yeah, it's, it's huge, just so much more awareness, yeah. It's huge, man. I remember when you came back and you, I think it was about a few days after you came back, you called me. I distinctly yeah. remember because I was walking just up the road here, going to the, the bus stop to go to Buddha Bar, and you oh, called yeah. me, and I've never heard you like this before. You're like, hey, bro. I'm like, <laughs> hey, man. You're like, how are you, bro? <laughs> like the most zened out. I've ever experienced in my life. And it's just like, yeah, I'm yeah. good, man. You're like, nice. Mm. Nice. Was just, there was just so much space and so much room. And like, you're like yeah. what are you up to tonight? You're going to go kick it. I'm like, dude, I'm going to Buddha Bar. And for those that don't know, Buddha Bar is like a conscious nightclub. And you came to that. I remember you you, had the, you came in and you're walking around. You're like, hmm. You're just so chill and so grounded. And everyone around them is like dancing, right. letting loose, having cacao. And you're just like, and this chick's like this chick was like dragging you somewhere, and you're like, mm, yeah, you're just like <laughs> you're flying through the air. It's just so zen and so relaxed. Yeah, right, bro. I mean, dude, like I remember like before Vipassana, I used to, I, I used to like tease people like that. <laughs> yeah. I used to be like, yeah, it's like putting it on, right? Like no way he's really there. And then there was a part of me, I just I just didn't really get it. I didn't really get what that is, and. I was there for a bit, bro. And like, the thing is, 
like the whole the whole thing is like, I was there I was there for a bit I was there for a day two three and then I realized like all right it's going you know and I was trying to claim it I was trying to like oh I, I want that experience and that thing back and then and like that's when same the ego came me, in and sort of, hey same thing for me dude yeah and like you're like all right now that that was my experience and I am <laughs> and the second you claim that for yourself it it's like no you're not that it's it's like yeah and so um that's that's been my experience yeah mm. yeah same thing for me dude like when i went when i had that experience i was thinking to myself like this is going to last forever like this is nothing else matters this is the feeling as i listen yeah. to alan watts i'm like yep i've got it this is it and i would go to work it. and i felt what was that sorry yeah, it's like I've achieved it. I've, I'm finished. <laughs> yeah, like and you literally mm. that. Like nothing else matters. You like all these, you know, desires like money and women and all these these things that I used to worry about. They're irrelevant now. I remember going mm. to work and you know, I used to felt so anxious and uncomfortable making calls in front of people. And then I went into mm. work and I I just felt completely free. So on the phone, I was just like laughing and bantering, having fun. I'm like, yep, this is it. This is it. But the more that I attached to it, the more that I got used to that feeling and held on to it, yeah, a child clinging to a mother's arms, yeah, the more it went away. You know, the more I I tried to get it back by doing something or being something, the more it went away. And I think mm. the moments they crack some reality. You know, they crack open the eggshell reality, and you see a glimmer of light. And you sh you don't have to try and pull the crack open; just let it come open naturally. And I think even if you right. get attached to it over time, what happens anyway is you kind of, it changes you. It changes your perspective reality. Like that, that experience itself has changed so much for my life, so much potential of what could be, you know, and my aims and my goals uh, after that became less superficial. At least I think so. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> is it what you found as well from your experience? Yeah, man. Yeah. I totally resonate with that idea of, being so attached to something that losing it creates a suffering, you know? And I guess like that I've seen it so much in my life, you know, like I've seen, I've seen how when I really want something really bad, it, it just gets taken away from me. And it's almost, you know, like, I don't, I don't really like to think about I'm too grounded, but like, it's like the universe is sending you a lesson. I'm like, no, you were too attached. I'm going to smack you right away. Yep. And like, and I see that in a lot of my heroes as well, you know, like Conor McGregor, for example, he is like someone who's so attached to like, well, he, he, on the rise, he was so in flow, right. He was flowing and he, and he like was able to be a fighter that just embodied his personality and everything was working. And then there was a point, I think after the auto fight, I, I don't know, but like, after, After that fight, he sort of attached himself to, all right, I am this fighter. These <laughs> gifts of my hands, of my, of my, you know, big left, right, left, left cross, it's mine now. And the second he claimed it, his, it was almost like it was his come down, you know, and he started identifying with being a boxer. And yes, like that story, you know, it, it also, a lot of championship teams, they attached themselves to, we are the winners now and we don't have to do any more. And like, and, 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 and to bring it back, yeah, like that attachment I see in myself, I see something like if I want a girl really bad, um, you know, if I want to go and I'm like, oh, I need her. Yeah. She, she reject me. Like the, the, the universe would just be like, no, that's, that's not for you. Um, right. And when I relinquish control and I surrender and I'm just like, look, if it goes bad, I'm okay with it, you know, and if it goes well, I'm okay with it. And it's like Eckhart Tolle says it in, in The Power of Now, I, it, and it's like it was the one it was the one that really held me and it's like this too shall pass you know and and just yeah. holding on to that not holding on <laughs> not holding on but just realizing that in every moment that this too yeah. shall pass like when i have anxiety this too shall pass and when i have a great outcome this too shall pass um yeah that 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 concept if that can be <laughs> singularly projected um that's that's what i'd say i got from it yeah there's so much in that, bro, because I see the same thing. And, you know, I'm huge into Conor McGregor. Like I, I'd watched all of his interviews that week of, I'd spent so much time, you know, procrastinating 
watching his interviews, <laughs> like looking every day on YouTube channel, on his Instagram to see what's out. Mm-hmm. And his first live video came out. Like, oh, what's this all about? And I'm like, he seems different. Da, da, da. And then Stephen, um, Stephen King or Stephen Smith, the, the uh, comedy Smith. Yeah. Yeah. ESPN. He's like, yeah. um, actually it wasn't him. It was someone else, but it was, he was next to him when he said it. And he was talking about there's Conor McGregor before Floyd yeah. and then Conor McGregor after Floyd. Because after Floyd, you know, you watch the yeah, Alvarez fight. Dude, I watched that fight after his most recent one. Bro, mm. just the flow and like the finesse, just that that that, that wiggliness that he had. And he, mm. you know, like you, you're watching his most recent fight. He was trying to be angry. He was trying to reignite that part of himself that was once mm. there. Mm. And in this Eddie Alvarez fight, you know, he was just what he was. He wasn't trying yeah. to be anything. He wasn't trying to not be anything. He was just like, this is what I'm fucking doing and whatever. Mm-hmm. Then the Floyd he owned fight, it, bro. Say again. Mm. He, he owned it and he let the universe flow through him. And like what we saw was a masterpiece. We saw art in like that, that left-right combo with Eddie. Like oh. Eddie was the best fighter then and he just, and it was artwork. And yeah, that's, that's how creation occurs, just allowing it to flow. That is huge, man. And it's mm. so crucial to success and i think it's so understated in this noise of gary v and grant cardone i love them by the way they're awesome mm-hmm. um it's lost in the noise of hustle and push and strive and i get that's relevant for some parts of your life mm-hmm. but there's the missing element that people need to hear as well which is letting go of the outcome and realizing that you don't always have a choice and this is a mm-hmm. really theme on this podcast people talking about this you don't have a choice all the time and that's not powerlessness that's knowing that you don't have power, which is being aware. Right. Awareness is power itself. Right. Mm. Well, yeah, right. Well, it's surrender. You know, it's the power of surrender to just, hey, like, yeah, it's not me. You know, it's, it's not me. It's, it's just a process. It's just a slow, gradual process. Um, yeah, like the second we attach to it, we suffer. And like it's it's what the Buddha the Buddha sort of brought you know brought to us five thousand years ago. It's like you know the second you attach to something that comes from desire, and then that desire creates suffering. And you know um, the vipassana and the meditation and just being mindful has taught me that hey, I'm I really want this. And when I normally in the past when I really want something, it, it it's it's uh, it it's fleeting, and um, yeah, yeah, that's that's huge, man. It's such a big lesson, such a deep lesson. I think it's a lifelong lesson that we we learn all through life. Um, I think it's the ultimate lesson, man. That you know, nothing's really permanent. Nothing is, nothing's really permanent, and, and eventually, we just start having less and less. And eventually, like this whole body will be nothing, and we will be nothing, and we will return to nothing. And yeah, yeah. Hmm. Dude, that's so relevant right now. You know, I've the last, I'll be, I'll be straight with you right now. The last couple of days with, you know, all this COVID stuff and all, all the, the lockdowns in Sydney here, mm. I, you know, I've gone through and for me, I, I can't just sit back and not know the truth. I have to keep researching, have to keep digging and we can mm. unpack that. But, you know, where it's left me at the moment is this pull between what to do and what not to do. And these last couple of days, I've been thinking to myself, really actually worrying stressing out about losing our rights losing our freedoms losing uh life as we know it right attached to this idea of life as we know it and i'm just predicting what might happen in the future this is not reality yet right at least least if you want to put it that way and you know this morning and last night i went through a bit of a process i'm like okay so what are you going to do luke you're going to sit here and feel this way and just and just like keep worrying or mm. it happens, like, that's what happens. And then you deal with it then. And I yeah. went through this, like, you know, little micro process of these micro moments where I'm like, this is what it is. This is what's happening right now. This is, I'm, I happen to be here right now in this time, in this era, and this is what's going on. And I've been mm. to split myself and to be worried about a potential future or just recognize that this is what's happening, you know? So- Amen. When you said before that you go through this process of having to bring yourself back to not being attached, what does that look like? 
for my own information and for everyone else mm-hmm. listening as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and you know, it's like I, I'm not an expert at it, but like I just, I just have failed so much <laughs> that I, um, that I, I feel like I do have a decent understanding. And um, could you, could you say that again? Was it just that? What is it like to be to not attach? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that when you came back from Bish- uh, Bipashna, you yeah. were chilled and whatever. And then after a while, you started to step back into being attached to that feeling. And now, you know, when mm. you're in the process of being attached, you're having to learn to let go. What is that process yeah. like for you? Is it just a daily meditation practice? Right. Yeah. Yeah. T- totally, man. That, that process. Yeah, it's it's a daily meditation practice, and it's it's like regulating at every moment as I can. You know, whenever I get lost in the thought, a lot of the time the thought is either a future projection from a past event. You mm. know, and it's and it's it's all it's all about what do I look like or how am I being conveyed, and and it's and it's not in the now. You know, like I'm not here, mm. and. It's that, that, that idea, that process of not being attached is just coming back to the moment and just coming back to my breath and my body and like recognizing that there is no such thing as the past or the future and that all I have is now. And, um, and, and like, that's easy to say, you know, here, talking to you in a space of safety and like, you know, in, in a, yeah, in, in safety, but that the importance of that is in those moments of, conflict it's in those moments of like pain you know when you're working out and I, I think the most important thing for me is that like my my um running practice so so in the in the most real pain and real craziness you know when I'm having an argument with someone that's when I'm like all right it's, this is when it counts this is when all those 10 days of meditation all the all the years of meditation that I've had this is where it actually counts and um just to come back to my breath and to, to my body and like how fast am I breathing? Is it, am I breathing from my chest or from my belly? And like, that's, that's, that's been my process with anxiety too, man. You know, just like, okay, I don't really know when I'm anxious and even labeling it anxiety for myself. It doesn't really help because it doesn't help when I'm talking to someone and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm anxious now. That actually just gets me further and further down. What does help is just recognizing, okay, my breathing is heavy, it's time to regulate. My um, feelings in my chest, time to regulate. And uh, that's, that's how I do it, bro. That's how I let go of the attachment and, and eventually let go of suffering. And um, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful, man. It reminds me of something I read this morning, which I'll just quickly read out now. Mm, that's- this is from a book called Unwinding Anxiety, right? In this book, basically the premise of it, it seems like a, you know, when I first saw the title, I'm like, this must be a scientific book and it is very scientific. But Mm. the the premise of this guy's, um, of this whole thing is mindfulness Mm. and how the present moment breaks the pattern of anxiety, right? And he he offers a really cool solution here, which I'm doing a post about probably today or tomorrow, which um, let me just scroll back. Give me a second, bro. Uh, Ah, here we go. So he, he says a practice. So when you're, you know, going through that anxiety, what you said there really resonated because he says to do a rain process, right? The first thing is mm-hmm. you, you recognize, right? You recognize uh, yeah, what's yeah. happening, right? So that's the R. Mm-hmm. The second part is allow slash accept it. So you don't push it away or try to change it. The I is investigate body sensations, emotions, and thoughts. Mm-hmm. And you ask, hmm, what is going on in my body right now? And the last one is note. So rain, right? Note what is happening in your experience. So yeah, what you said, that, that's a, you know, a, an acronym version of that. And awesome. Really, awesome. That's great. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool mm-hmm. because, you know, I think growing up in the culture that we did, a very left-heavy brain, we tend mm-hmm. to think that the solution to everything is thinking it through. It's like I'm feeling yeah. anxious, so think, think, think. But the truth mm. is the part of the brain where the thinking happens, the frontal lobe, the prefrontal cortex. Prefrontal, is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is, it, it is the youngest part of the brain, right? Mm. And the oldest part of the brain where you know, fear comes in is more powerful than that. So we can't try and change the oldest, most primitive part of the brain 
with the newest, smallest part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, mm. forms mm. size, it's small and sensitive effect. Right. We need to bring ourselves back into our body. And that's why it's so useful to use mindfulness. Mm. Yeah, man, that's that's huge. That's really huge. Just those just it's it's almost and it, it is like a conflict, isn't it? When when fear comes up, it feels like, okay, like I know I don't want to be scared, but like holy shit i can't help it and that makes sense that it's an older part that's conflicting with the prefrontal cortex and um that's yeah that's interesting because the prefrontal cortex is it's its job is to assess interpret and label things you know and scientists say that the prefrontal cortex is what separates us from animals it, yeah. it separates us from just following basic instincts right um is it the amygdala i think it is but yeah like it's it following that instinct and so yeah, to be mindful is just, as you said, allowing it, you know, like, was it recognize, allow, investigate, nurture, or no? It was, it was rain. So recognize. Yeah. Uh, allow. Allow. Uh, I, so investigate. So where am I feeling this in my body? And N, note, like what's the environment, what's going note. on? What I, what I feel is really powerful about that is the allowing. Because I think, uh, at least for me, for a lot of society and, and yeah, of course, even women, the, the process of allowing an emotion to come up is there's so much resistance to it. And, it, it. and as you said, it is the prefrontal cortex, you know, and that and that feeling of allowing is really meditation, right? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm sitting and I'm seeing a thought and I'm really agitated, but I'm allowing it, you know, and in that allowing it, that is the awareness and building that awareness is allowing yourself to see your shadow, like seeing Oh, I'm seeing that I'm actually really scared right now. I'm seeing that I'm really angry right now, but I'm allowing it and investigating that. And from that place of allowing it comes the investigation, comes the, oh, that's actually related to my father. That's actually related to my mom. That's actually, you know, what happened the last time I got bullied and this and that. Mm-hmm. And then, and like noting it, I, I, um, I, I thought the acronym for N was actually nurture, but like note sounds, sounds similar as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like the and, and just to like come back to self-love, you know, and to nurture it and just be like, okay, like, you know, I'm I'm still a child. I've just developed this really strong hemisphere to be an adult, but I'm still regulating and I'm still, you know, and I'm I'm gonna focus on my self-love. And yeah, that's so powerful, bro. Hmm. Yeah, and that's why in some of the, the Zen monasteries they say they give people impossible tasks and you have to try and complete them. And one of the tasks mm. is can you clap with one hand? Right? it's like small things like this where you you try to change it with your thinking mind you try to do something with this brain you try to think about it it's like hmm well if i do this and i put my hand together like that and try and change it i can do it but yeah. the truth of those questions isn't to realize that you can do it in some way or other with your brain it's to let go of trying to do it you know right bro right and do you know i was um hmm. sorry yeah sorry no, go for it go for it yeah um I, I believe that that's actually like that idea is the is the sort of it's it's the the creation process and it's like masculinity and femininity coming together. Mm-hmm. See, masculinity is penetration. Masculinity is direction. It's the mind like penetrating through and like I get that logic, logic, logic. And femininity is the space, right? And when when you're meditating. Your mind is inquiring about space. It's inquiring about what is breath. It's inquiring about, like, for example, a Zen Cohen, right? Like clap with your hand. It's actually inquiring into that and it's realizing. And it's not just realizing, it's it's meeting the feminine is meeting the masculine, you know? And it and what happens when the feminine meets the masculine? A creation, a baby is born. And that and that baby sort of represents consciousness. It represents just this feeling modality. And you're just here and you're just now. And um, yeah, that, that, that idea of the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere it totally aligns as well, just because like the right hemisphere, you know, it gives us meaning, it gives us art, it gives us this, this creation. And the left, it allows us to, to, to be analytical and like, you know, interpret danger and things like that. So yeah, bro. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's awesome. Dude. And I think, Another, you know, hesitation towards this whole kind of thing, just as a side tangent, is that people think that mindfulness, which is the process of integration, at least from my perspective, is just meditation. 
but from my experience and what I'm really playing with at the moment is that mindfulness, the act of being with what you're feeling is both active and inactive. So what I mean by that is that if you decide that you want to meditate on understanding your habit loops in your brain, on understanding why you do the things that you do, you can break the pattern of what you're doing with curiosity, which is actively engaging in mindfulness when it's happening. So as an example, right, the other night I was, uh, I was being gluttonous, right? I got all this food from the shops and I wasn't planning to be gluttonous. It just happened that way. It was just a habit, right? So, and I had just figured this and thought of this active slash inactive mindfulness thing. And I was sitting there eating it and I'm like, okay, this is obviously a habit. This is something that I do because it's not the first time I've done this. So what, where does this start? I'm like, well, the first part is to become curious because a habit is unconscious, right? And when it's unconscious, you don't recognize the feelings that you have when you're engaging in the habit that you're doing. And I feel like, and and like just a quick side note, bro, I feel like, instead of curiosity a lot of the time the automatic reaction is shame it's like shame and guilt and like what, what's wrong with me why can't i do it and like it almost is curiosity like what's wrong with me it there's a curiosity component to it but we attach shame to it because when we were curious we've we've experienced shame you know like that because curiosity is the child curiosity is like oh why am i like this <laughs> um yeah totally man totally mm. Huge. And that's exactly what I did, man. I, I, instead of being like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this or whatever. I, like, I, I went into my body and was like, okay, let's get curious about this. Let's see what's going on inside. And I felt what it actually felt like beyond the habit, beyond the, just that dirt, 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 monotonous eating. What does this actually feel like? And I felt my body. I felt my stomach feeling full. I felt like just my body feeling heavy. Ever since I did that, that the charge around that is less strong. I don't feel, you know, when I, when I go to Woolies or Coles, I'm like, oh, should I get some, like, you know, some healthy chocolate, healthy chocolate, right? Like, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want to. I'm fine just to have two meals a day. Simple as that. That's the charge around it. And that's what, in my opinion, mindfulness can be as well. It's not just sitting down with a meditation practice and then the rest of the day pretending like everything's all good. It's yeah, sitting with those exactly. that are tough and breaking the habit of habit through curiosity. Mm, mm, I feel that man. It's really powerful. I, I also I believe that there's there's no there's no difference between your meditation and your life. You know, there's like where does meditation stop and your life begin? It's not a separate pocket of your life. It's actually Correct. fully integrating it into it. And um, I feel that man. I also I, I also totally relate to being gluttonous as well. And um, for me, it's it's just about checking in. Like okay. My mind wants that chocolate. You know, my mind wants to always satiate its its thirst. It's, and that's that is the that is the mind's role. It's meant to consume. It's meant to keep going and going. And when I check in with my belly, and I'm just like, okay, does do I am I really hungry? Is there is there really a a need for that? And for like ninety percent of the time, there isn't. And what comes up after I actually recognize that there isn't is more resistance. My mind will be like, no, 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 you're, you're fighting against me. Don't do that. And like no. that, that moment when you choose not to, when you choose not to be your mind, but to be your body and to be your belly, that's mindfulness. Because like, what is meditation? You know, the Buddhist always said it, it's no mind. It's, it's, it's stepping outside your mind and being back in the moment. So, um, yeah, man, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And that's powerful, bro. Yeah, another thing you can do as well that I just made a post about the other day is that you can you can break the pattern of monotony and shame by making a simple sound or a gesture like hmm hmm. Oh, okay. I know it hmm. sounds really weird. And I, I kind of laughed when I read it. <laughs> just walking around the supermarket, just like hmm hmm, <laughs> or, or in your mind, right? So that so you yeah. anchor. What do you usually do when you're curious? Like ah, oh, really? Okay. You say that same thing in your mind to break the pattern. And it seems inauthentic and strange for a millisecond. But what it does is it leads to the inquiry of why you feel the way that you feel and to check in with what you're actually doing. And there's great power in that, man. I think that sometimes when we get caught up in this mind slash body thing, we don't recognize that our mind, again, is a younger part of our whole 
ecosystem of our body and we need to lead our mind to the body right as opposed to trying to think through the body with the mind so right. you have a strange right. feeling if you have a migraine for example in and you're thinking to yourself oh like i've got to have a brain cancer or this or that fear fear is anxiety and uncertainty at the same time right and we can remove that by stepping into the body and actually just listening right bro I, and man i hear that and uh the mind you can't outthink the mind the mind knows your every weakness it knows exactly where you're going to go it knows exactly what you know like the trauma you're going to take and so like yeah man it's 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 like it's always matching you <laughs> because in a, in a way you are your mind and, you, and you're not your mind and to just step out of that and again back in your body and just like check in that's that's how you can break it that's how you can break those habits break that anxiety and um yeah like choose choose another path mm. Mm. could mm. i ask you a question if you don't mind absolutely far away um like me and you bro we, we've been going out for ages man you know we've been like as in going out to clubs and going out to like going out to socialize and we have a lot of the similar social circles. And one of the things that like I really admire about the way you interact is um, how you're able to hold like big energies, you know, whether it's, whether it's like banter, um, most of the time it's banter, um, whether it's like, you know, and, and you mentioned a lot of the time your, your process with anxiety um, in a social situation, how would you, how would you use these concepts that we talked about? You know, because a lot of the time when I'm talking to someone, I'm, I'm like, okay, I don't have time to you know, recognize, allow, investigate. No, I, I have to like, oh crap, she, she asked me a question. Um, how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, What's well, the same thing you said about Conor McGregor, right? You know, for me, for the longest mm -hmm. time, I had this feeling of anxiety in my body around socializing and I'll blush and I'll just get sweaty hands, palm to sweaty and, Eminem. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, for the longest time that would happen. And it all shifted, you know, when I stopped drinking for one. But also on top of that, recognizing and being with that anxiety and that it's it's fine to feel that way in front of social settings. So this deep mm -hmm. acceptance of whatever way I decide to show up, you know, right. trying to be mindful or trying to breathe or trying to do this or try and do that. I, mean, I do have a few things that I'll go through that I do on a you know smaller basis. But for the most part, I'm, I'm in flow, bro. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so in reaction to the environment that I'm not reaction to the environment, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it sounds like just you allow it, you allow that. And, and, and it is a form of self-love like, okay, if I, if, if I become anxious in the situation, that's okay. And it's yeah. completely okay to be anxious. And like, just that security is when, when there's a security in every part of you, then you can present yourself and a lot of the time, most of the time your best self will come out because your best self is the one that's completely aligned. When every part, both the shadow and the light are both aligned and it's like you present yourself and like, yeah, that's, I guess I can see that conceptually <laughs> how it, um, how powerful it can be to just draw people in. It's a, it's a magnetic energy. And um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for answering that. Man. No, it's, I mean, Absolutely, bro. And I think that, you know, it's like, I mean, there's, there's so many things, there's so many parts of that that happened to me, you know, things that were like growing up as a kid, I was always quite silly and extroverted and just a goose, like just doing stupid shit all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. then growing up and being a bit of a smart ass and being, you know, shamed for that, which, you know, for, for obvious reasons, but also on top of that as well, for not obvious reasons. Yeah. And then, you know, then, then, stepping into who I was into my own power and being completely okay with who I was and knowing that with any social interaction, if I just, if my body or, you know, whatever happens to me, I decide to be super anxious and freak out that I'll be okay. Like it doesn't matter. There's, there's seven with well, eight billion now or something people in the world. And if something happens with one person, doesn't mm. you know, if they judge me and think that I'm a, a douchebag or this or that, whatever, then it's fine. If they do think I'm a douchebag, they're gonna love me in the future anyway. Yeah, and it's and it's more there, and it's more their thing than you deal with. You know, like if they judge you, it's more some, it's more a statement about them and like, you know, unhealed parts of themselves. And 
you know, whatever they project onto you. Because, like, conflict with other people is just, like, shadow parts in you that you can't accept and that other person is showing, you know, and, like, yeah. And that's the thing as well, bro. Like, we, we think that, that you know, how, how do you – so the question was, you know, how do you do X, Y, Z in, in conversation? It's like the, the question itself, and I'm not saying this as, as something towards you, is almost mm-hmm. flawed in itself. You know, the, the yeah. question is, how can I be this? But the thing is, yeah. if you enter a conversation and you just and you're you feeling right now that I'm anxious and I just want to be quiet and be left alone, mm. people, you can do that as well, and you do that, and then people are just drawn to you because you're that person. Yeah, and it's just, and I, I was speaking to this with one of my friends the other day, and she was like, um, trying to trying to micromanage this situation of hers that she got herself into. And being like, I need to say this or say that, whatever. I'm like, look, in all honesty, what you're trying to do right now is trying to be something for someone else so they accept you for this version of you. But the thing is, this version of you that you're trying to be, in the end, people are not going to like that as well. You can be any version. You can be like, say, for example, I want to be like Conor McGregor. It's like, I want to be confident, this, that, whatever. You can be that version. And some people will like you for it. Some people won't. But the real you, the real version of you, when you're that version, you can be that. You're comfortable. And some people are going to like you. Some are going to hate you. At the end of the day, the more grounded you are in that reality of who you are, it doesn't matter anyway. Right, right. Yeah, totally, man. And, and like, the part, the part of you that judges yourself, that is the, that's the inner critic. And that's the part that... Yeah, it also deserves love, but it also just deserves awareness. You know, like, it's okay that you're critical of yourself. It's okay that, you know, you're not doing it right. And, like, that also deserves, that's the shadow that deserves love. And um, I think that's the shadow of, like, anxiety in this society. We don't actually allow anxiety to to come up. We don't allow someone to, to ha- face their anxiety. We say, you know, the way we interact, the way we do things is all about pushing it to the side. It's all about who's the loudest in the room, who's the um, who can suppress the best, <laughs> you know, like yeah. at, at least, you know, like in, in, in male interactions as well, it's like who is the least emotionally um, invested? And that's, um, yeah, and, and then that, and that just creates a stronger shadow, right? The more, the more you suppress it, the more it wants to eat. <laughs> Um, the more you feed the light, the less, the louder the the the, the um the shadow wolf sort of barks, and so on. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Man. Mm. Well, the thing is, like, and this is going to sound unorthodox. It's like you, you generally don't give a fuck. I don't mean <laughs> that you're, you're incompassionate. You don't care about other people. I mean, you just care more about what you think about yourself than what other people think of you. Mm. And, you know, that's that's how I. That's how I genuinely feel. And, you know, you could say that I'm probably, I'm X, Y, Z for it, but, but that, that gives me space to actually be there and to be with someone in that moment, whether it's being a serious conversation like right now or bantering or, or whatever, you know, yeah. and I'm always like that. Cause I'm not, you know, there's moments where I'm anxious, like at the start of this call, I was like, Oh, I feel a bit anxious, whatever. And it's like, mm. so what? I mean, who's going to, people will listen to this and be like, Oh, he's anxious. And no one cares. Yeah. Right. Mm. Mm. Here's the thing, bro. It's like, and it's also realizing that no one cares as much as you think they fucking care. Mm. They like, just acknowledge it. They're like, oh, he's anxious. <laughs> yeah. And that's then all so it is. Dude, I remember, I remember one, this one time, man, like I was in town hall in Sydney, right? And um, there was this dude, he was naked running across the street. And he was just naked running across the street. I swear to God, I was on my phone. I looked and I'm like, oh, that's a naked dude. And then three seconds later, I'm like, mm, back to my phone. Like, that's how much people give a shit about someone that's naked. And like, I guarantee everyone that, no one was like, no, naked person, stop. Like, everyone was just like, oh, okay, cool. And but like, it's like, maybe it's a testament to human attention and how we don't care. But I think it's more just like, you can actually do what you want and you have the complete freedom and it's just your mind that's in the way every single time. It's an actual bias, man. You know, I read this in a book called The Social Animal, you know. Yeah. You notice, so like right now as it stands, I've got this like pimple here and pimple there and I'm like, oh my God, it looks so fucking bad. 
But mm. even it's like, oh, I didn't notice it until you said it. And the thing is, you right. notice shit on yourself more, you know. And mm. and and I think to be honest, now I'm thinking about it. Now you get me thinking. The shift happened when I stopped. When I realized that no one actually gives a shit about me. I know it sounds <laughs> yeah. weird, but no, no one cares. Well, it's it's the it's like the light of depression, right? There's a the, the depression has that concept of like, oh, no one gives a shit about me. <laughs> and then there's like, oh wait, no one gives a shit about me. Yeah. And it's um, it's it's so powerful. I think Jim Carrey said it. He said, depression is um, is your is your is your yourself trying to get rid of its character, trying to get rid of its ego and its personality. And like, it's this, this idea of awakening. You know, going back to our conversations, idea of awakening, enlightenment. It's just like sort of peeling those onion layers off more and more. You know, like before I thought, I thought Vi, who's Vi? He's like this loud sort of um, loud, like loud speaking um, brown dude who doesn't really know how to talk to girls, like all these concepts, you know? And then after, after a certain, after a certain experience, like Vipassana, yeah, a lot of it was rid. And now I'm like, oh, I'm this guy who's this, this, this. And I feel, as I said, like just pronouncing more and more. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all spiritual and like, yeah, I'm connected to the stars and mushrooms and psychedelics and Cassidy <laughs> Madra. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> hey, yeah, actually, and like, just on that note, bro, quickly, can we can we dive into history a bit and talk about how we? Yeah, yeah dude. All right, all right. How about, yeah, you, you go on. You tell them. So I um, I was working at Splend, and just because I the reason I want to tell this story right now is because you're going into. People are like, how the fuck do these guys know each other? We must, you know, must be like <laughs> We're so different, bro. <laughs> yeah. So when I when I met you, we, we I was working at Splend, right? Which is a startup company doing rental vehicles for Uber drivers. It was, <laughs> the, it was the funnest experience. And I was working there. And then there was this like little, little smart ass kid that rocks up in the office and just, just being cheeky to everyone, but like kind of not being cheeky. And mm. I remember we were doing, we started doing calls with each other and, then we both were doing, we're both into like RSD stuff. So RSD is real social dynamics. And it's mm. basically, um, they do like YouTube videos, seminars, all this kind of stuff on how to socialize, how to pick up chicks. Um, and we were just we're way into it, like going out and don't do it. This is the truth about men. Exposed now. It's, it's our secret. It's our secret. No folks know. I'm a sleaze. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think like we were talking about Julian or something and, and one, of the, one of the instructors at RSD and you're like yeah I watched that as well and we started sharing videos and whatever and at that point man like you know at moments I would see you you know and I was doing the same thing as well like I was going through stages of you know whatever you want to call it just like being so in my head and having no idea who I was and losing myself and then all of a sudden being present and then going back inside your show, like, you know, like real social dynamics talks about. And I, I remember seeing that in you where you had these moments where you just like pretending not to care and being blase and whatever. And it's not bad, man. Everyone does it. Right. Mm. Um, well, we're, we're all genuine fakes in a way. And <laughs> then you have these moments where it's just you and like, you just say, I do something that was truly you. And you know, mm. it's an FYI, man. Like we still do this to this day. Like, we do things that we, we, we think, people are going to love us for and we pretend to be something for someone else's uh gratefulness of, of us and mm. over the years man and just we can go into the details of of the stuff we used to do but over the years man each almost like a month almost or every every six months just this shift like you're just slowly becoming more and more you like more and more mm. and i don't know what you is i don't know what i am either but i know that there's a cleaner high fidelity energy that you give off and mm. that's why I meant the start of the start of this podcast, man. We where we're talking about my my friends. You've changed the most, I think, because you put in the mm. work. But also, um, you would also, man, just this, the same journey that we're on. You know, we're doing a similar thing. So we used to yeah. go out and, and do pickup and and all that kind of stuff. Do you know? Do you want to um, expand on that a bit? The stuff that we used to do. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, and like. You know, I remember that as well. I remember like that was my first time, that was my first full-time job. Um, and I came into an environment that was like, 
it was quite intense as well for me. You know, I'm, I'm sort of this sheltered brown kid from Blacktown who, like, I knew the hood, but I didn't really understand sales. And, like, if you've ever worked in sales, you know that, like, sales environments are pretty, you know, we have this friend named Jolty, and he, and he calls it a shark tank, eh? The shark <laughs> tank. And, uh, <laughs> and like, he, he worked with us. And, like, it's a bit of a shark tank. It's a bit of a, like, feeding, you know, fr- frenzy. And, um... If you're not doing well, you sort of get berated. And so, like, that was my first experience. I was like, shit, I'm getting, I'm getting, like, you know, I'm, I'm, there's banter. There's, there's a strong banter here. And, um, like, t- like, Luke, he was, he was a huge, he was a huge part of, like, me becoming a stronger person. And, like, you know, like, sort of taking those onion layers off. Because, yeah, I was, there was a part of me that was a smart ass and I was cheeky and I was like, Hey, I'm not going to do it. You know, what are you going to make me do? And it's like, yeah, and it, it was fake. And I guess like that, yeah, interaction, of course, Ash and, you know, the whole the whole crew, it, it cleaned me up. It sharpened me. You know, I, if I was blunt, it's sort of like, who are you really, bro? Who are you really? Because like, we're not going to take the fake. We're not going to allow the fake. And um, my and, and that's the exact same journey with people. You know, going back to your question, it's the exact same journey of, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in an attractive girl over there. Um, but I can't, I, who I am now, I'd go and present it and there would be so much wishy-washiness. There wasn't a direct intention. And it was really a misalignment in what I wanted because it was that I w- more wanted their validation and I actually wanted to add value to them. Huge. You know, and that's, that's the key. And that's the key. It's, it's why girls think dudes are weird because, yeah, exactly. Left hemisphere, man. Like dudes are so analytical and like, uh, but but they don't realize that all they're looking for is validation. You know, I'm going to approach her, but what I want is for her to think I'm attractive, for her to think I'm good enough because I don't think I'm good enough right now. You know, and like, that's why you get dudes that are just creepy. Why are they creepy? Because they're in their heads. Because being in your head is the creepiest thing you can do. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and like, yeah. And so that, that was another journey. Just, again, peeling the onion layers and sharpening the sword, sharpening the sword. And, um, yeah, like it, it brought me to spirituality. That that whole journey of sales to to pick up to self development brought me back. Brought me to spirituality, and it showed me this is who I am. And like, it, it's a similar journey, bro. Sales to for you, like sales to meditation to pick up to like you know. And it's I think that's why we align, bro. And like you you say that I've grown a lot. I also see that in you, man. Like I remember we had a conversation about hey, like. You know, I, I, you're, you're funny and you have this um, ability to make people laugh and, like, create content that's that's challenging and sometimes opposing. And, like, yeah, and you're like, man, I don't know if I should be an influencer. And I'm like, dude, I think you should be an influencer. And, like, yeah, you became an influencer. <laughs> hey, dude, we're all influencers, man. Yeah. We all mm. think that we don't have an impact, but we do. Yeah, um, yeah which we can expand on in a second, man, but just on that stuff there. So mm. my journey, it, you know, I started meditating in 2012, at the end of 2012. And the reason I started meditating was a very superficial reason. It's to get more present in the moment so I could pick up more chicks. So I could pick up girls. That's where I started. I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I Tyler, yeah. yeah it's like you need to meditate to be in the moment. Cause then you can be yeah. yourself and when you're yourself. I remember, I remember I was like, I used to do this um, open eyed meditation so that my eye contact would be better. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. Me too. I'd be like, oh yeah, girl. Yeah. I'm like seeing through you. <laughs> That's a crazy thing, man. I used to do the same thing. It's like, I really want to meditate with my eyes closed because I want to connect like with just my mm-hmm. body, whatever. But then I would be like, no, no, no. You, you need to meditate with your eyes open. So in your interaction, you can look, have solid yeah. eye contact. Exactly. Yeah. And dude, I, I remember, you know, that year and I mean, particularly 2012 was kind of the peak of it. I feel mm. where I would be in a haze, bro. Like I'm just in a haze of social anxiety, a soup of social anxiety mm. and sadness. And I, I didn't even know who I was. I didn't know who my personality was. I didn't know who, I, who, you know, if I was extrovert, introvert or, I had no idea. Right. No yeah. idea. So when I'd go mm. out, you know, I'd like be in my mind, uh, you know, RST says to be free to free from outcome. So be like, oh yeah, nice. I don't care. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, yeah. come on, bro. Let me, just, 
Let me just do that freedom from outcome thing. Yeah, so easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the hardest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And like I've said to you before, man, the finger pointing to the moon isn't the moon itself. It's just a concept. The concept is the finger and the moon is the actual thing you're aiming towards, which you can't mm. do with fucking words. And, you know, the same journey that you went through, I went through, you know, back when I used to go out to Bondi and go to parties there and, you know, right. I cop shit all the fucking time. And mm. I'm not saying it's a good thing to do that. I'm not encouraging it at all, but it mm. didn't jump me. It cut away the layers. When I was being trying to be something, be funny or be this, people would pick up on it and be like, bro, what should be funny for? Just be yourself. Mm-hmm. You, well, you- yeah. The people who got it, the people who got it would call you out on it, you know? And like, yeah. and, what it's and a lot of the time, yeah, and like bad feeling to that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, totally, bro. And, like, I know you also had, like, a really big journey around um, alcohol, right? And just, like, using that crutch to escape the feeling of anxiety, to not allow it, you know? And, um, like, I I didn't – I haven't gone through that, but, like, definitely, like, with with weed, you know, to to escape this – to escape this surface level – sorry, as you said, a refrigerator hump, just to, like, oh, I don't want to be in my thoughts because my thoughts keep leading me to – to like not enjoying myself and not, not, I can't, I couldn't sit with myself, you know? And like, and that's how addictions start, right? Addictions start because we're unable to be with ourselves. And I think, I think if we could all just be with ourselves and just sit for 10 minutes a day, um, we'd see, we'd see how agitated, how upset our mind is and we can then take proactive action. And um, yeah, man, like for me, med- meditation is like, yeah, it's, changed everything um i've actually been meditating fuck like probably since i was seven because like in you know I'm, I'm indian and you know we sort of it's it's part of our culture to meditate all the time so like with prayer pray, it was a lot more prayer but it was mantra meditation and um uh it, it really helped because i also have adhd like um you know i've been diagnosed i'm sure we all do actually but like i have i have adhd and uh it's, it's the one thing that's allowed that's allowed um, some clarity of thought, you know, mm-hmm. some space between thoughts. And yeah, my, my my journey with meditation has really been just seeing my mind and seeing all the habits of my mind, you know, come up. Like for example, I I'm, I'm pretty addicted to eating food, you know, and like I just and it's the same it's the same addiction. That was weird. It's the same addiction to like watching porn. You know, it's, it's it's all those addictions. They come from this surface level anxiety, this sort of deeper anxiety of just unable to being being unable to be with myself. And um, yeah, so like, <laughs> mm. yeah, it's huge, man. It's um, mm. you know, there's an epidemic of distraction, and I'm reading a book at the moment called The Shallows which talks about the effect of technology, <clears throat> particularly computers and our phones on our brain. Right. And it talks yeah. about how the content of Instagram or Facebook or the internet doesn't so much change you. It's the medium itself. It's using the computer. It's the, you know, scrolling, those kind of things. It's the way in which we interact with that technology that shifts our brain. And, mm-hmm. you know, this guy, uh, I don't remember his exact age, but I know he was born in like 1950s or 60s or something. And he was talking about, you know, getting the first computer, the Macintosh, and, you know, how he would sit for hours, hours reading a book, right? And mm. then when he was compu- his computer, he, could, he couldn't sit down and read a book anymore. It'd be like after 15 minutes, like, oh, right. I can't do this. Oh, I can't do that. I'm like, oh, shit. I do that as well. And the only difference is that I never had a part in my life Actually, no, I lied. There was one part I remember in my life where I'd read where technology wasn't around when I was like six or seven or whatever. Right, yeah. Maybe eight yeah. or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, and I was reading this book as that was happening. I'm like, oh, fuck. So I've gone through this, this process of, I'm not sure how we get onto this, but I went, I've gone through this process now where I turn my phone off about an hour, hour and a half before bed. <clears throat> typically. Mm-hmm. Um, last night I didn't, but typically I will. And... Mm-hmm. Then in the morning, my phone is on airplane mode for the first two or three hours. And then when I do work, I do an hour and a half segments, like workflows. 
where I'll turn my phone uh, on airplane mode again and put it away somewhere. And dude, it's making a huge difference, man. And I think that ADHD and these things that we've been diagnosed with are symptoms of the culture that we live in and the right. technologies that we use, the mediums that we're using totally. as opposed to our brains. Like I have ADHD instead of I've been conditioned with ADHD with the things that I do. You know, because mm. I was ADHD when I was four years old, bro. Four years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that, yeah, we need to recognize the mediums that we're using as, as uh, and and to to tie in to what you're saying, the mediums that we're using, like porn or overeating and things like mm. that, shape our brains. Right. So mm. that's super powerful, man, to recognize, dude, especially porn for men. Yeah, bro. Yeah, we, we live in an instant gratification culture that rewards yeah. rewards um, seeking pleasure, you know, and it's and 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 yeah, that's that's um that totally rewards the ADHD mind, but it also it doesn't allow you to focus, it doesn't allow you to dis, uh, discipline yourself, and it's why like we struggle so much to hit our goals. It's why you know, you finish your day and you feel unproductive because like you're not centered, you're not regulating, you're not in your breath. You don't, um, it's, it's difficult to focus and removing distractions. You actually face yourself and, you know, going way back to your question about Vipassana. Yeah. Just you face yourself every single day, you know, and you make the right decision in every moment. Um, Henzo Gracie, he's a, you know, star. He started the, the big uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu family. He says, in every moment, to choose the right thing. Uh, and and that comes from a know, knowing yourself, you know, a real knowledge of like, okay, my, I'm, I, I know my addictions are to eating food, but what is the right thing to do right now? Yeah, it's probably not to, not to consume that. It's probably not to gratify myself, but instead focus on my bigger goal. And... Um, yeah, to, to have that connection to a higher self, you know, it's it's because when you when you when that's your highest purpose to, to ascend, not yeah, to ascend and just to like acknowledge that that there is a higher power that's sort of guiding whatever my life is to to connect to that. I feel um yeah, that 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 sort of grounds you as well. Yeah, do do that which is right, not expedient. Mm, mm. and especially the millennial generation we have so many things that we can distract ourselves with you know can you like imagine you know living 100 years ago and you know obviously things might have been worse might have been better i have no idea one of the things that i can imagine happening is a lot of deep work where you'd actually work right Mm. we don't we don't Mm. have it anymore dude we really don't and we, we don't like this conversation we're having right now, you know, we, we're, we're actually talking and interacting, mm. but we wouldn't usually do this. We'd be on our phones and people would be like messaging or whatever. And then mm. or video mm. and all this stuff. It's like, we're living our lives through a future version of recording it as opposed to actually living it. Yeah. Tinder and swiping and, and, you know, all these things can, can be so toxic. Hmm. Powerful man, right? Hey, do you have a question, man. Do you do you watch porn? Ah, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I do. I do. I've I've curbed it quite a bit since I used to, but I do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's bad, man. Like it's um, <laughs> it's such like a an easy thing to go to, such an easy thing to to start doing, um, and for me, like it's it's distracting as well. And I don't think it's healthy to, to, to watch that on the screen the way it is. Yeah. It's a complete split as well. You know, like there's, there's a beauty in embracing your, your sexual energy and, and like there's a, there's a complete split in that it, it's, it's not real. Um, you know, you're actually not really connected to, to yourself at all. It's really just, okay, I'm agitated. I'm frustrated. What's the quickest way to get rid of my frustration? And it's to, you know, it's to release, it's to orgasm. And I think um, that 
that's that's where it starts from again it's, it's all back to agitation it's all back to anxiety and it's um yeah man yeah it's it's a tough one as well because i find that when i am going through that journey of of porn like it's like i need the i need more i need the thing that's stimulating me more and more and more um so, I, so yeah and um ted ted bundy you know spoke about this he said he was a normal guy right um supposedly normal upbringing normal life you know super popular at school like nothing nothing standing out as significant as mm. far as it goes with why he would kill all the people he did in the way that he did and yeah you know, at the end of his life when he finally admitted that he did all the stuff that he did because he was denying it for all that time wow. like, to be honest it was just it was i was looking at a lot of porn a lot of stuff and it got to a point where it wasn't enough to right. see in a magazine wow. enough and you know he had to go out and do what he did he would go to schools um into dorms and like castrate i'm i'm paraphrasing what i read but castrate women and you know like rape mm. them and stuff and mm. um yeah man yeah these are these are mentally and like mentally damaged people they're, they're traumatized they they've they've been re-traumatized and then we put them in these we put them in jails you know and like we keep we keep them <laughs> suffering and you know, even the rehabilitation programs are still like they never really they never really get out of that mindset, and it's unfortunate because I think that there are a lot healthier ways that these people could be dealt with, you know. And yeah, it's a part of society that isn't looked at. The criminals, you know, like I've um I've grown up around criminals uh, a lot, and like I'm not saying I understand them because I'm not one, but just that. There's, there's a lot of damage there and like and it's unfortunate that they don't get that support and that access that a lot of the that a lot of us do and that's all that's all we need and that's all we need as a society right now just to come together and connect and um yeah yeah <laughs> that's a good note to end on bro i think that's super important um yeah bro that's epic man do you um is there anything in particular you would like to share before we wrap this up? Um, I'd, I'd like to share that I really like, I'm, I'm really happy that you're doing this work, bro. I'm really happy that you're spreading an awareness for mental health um, and like, especially anxiety. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a part of the world that's not talking, spoken about enough. So yeah, I just want to acknowledge you, man. Acknowledge Thanks, the work. Um, yeah. The content you're making and, yeah, I hope, I hope you do well. <laughs> Thanks, bro. And if you had one thing that you you could leave behind, you know, one thing to maybe remembered by, one thing to a quote, a, an audio clip of you, whatever it is, what's mm. what thing you'd leave behind in this world? Um, yeah, good one, man. I'd, I'd say, I'd say you, you're allowed to feel those things that you're feeling. <laughs> And it's okay. Epic, bro. Thanks for on, man. And um, yeah, we'll do it again soon. Nice, bro. Hopefully in person next time, eh? <laughs> Absolutely, bro. Nice, bro. Well, yeah, stay safe, man. 